podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield Rapper Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson, Paul Senior, Andy Heaton and Fuad Hassan with you. Fuad, it's that mic if you could for us, mate. That'd be brilliant. Uh, with you for the next, oh, 40, well, for an hour on the radio, 45 minutes without the gaps in there. And we're all overexcited. We're all overjoyed. Liverpool made it through to the Champions League semi-final and the draw has taken place. Um, Fuad, first and foremost, from the sporting point of view, Roma is probably the, the kindest possible draw. From the purely sporting point of view, we'll talk about the location in a bit, but from the idea of who's probably pound for pound just about the weakest of the three possible opponents, it's Roma. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think after the first leg, no one, no one in their right mind would have expected them to come back like that and you know prevent Barcelona from getting that away goal. Um, I, I mean, at the same time... <sighs> I kind of would have liked a Bayern Munich or Real Madrid at this stage, just because the two legs um, and, and bring them back to Anfield would have would have been a, a really kind of tasty affair. But at the same time, I don't think we can have any complaints. And uh, yeah, bring them on, bring them on, bring them on, Paul, bring them on, mate. I'm absolutely on cloud nine after this week. You know, it's um, I mean, it's the, it's the draw you want. I'm seeing a lot of conspiracy theories here with this, where people are going, "Oh, I'd like to play Real Madrid over two legs. Why?" Why do you want to play Real Madrid over two legs? You're giving them two opportunities to be really, really good because they are really, really good. And don't get me wrong, that's not me saying that Roma aren't because we're all, all that Liverpool aren't for that all matter. That, all that Liverpool aren't, but we're all here on merit. And you know, no one—they've come back from beating Barcelona three 0 You know, Real Madrid find a way in that game to get through Juventus. It's—it's. It's, I mean, I'm actually made up that it's—it's it's a representative from each league. It's not. It's not. It's not top heavy with one division. I think it's going to be a really, really interesting set of semi-final games. But if you if you were offering me anyone, I wanted Roma. Uh, if it's go back to you first, Paul, on this, the semi, the idea of one of the things that struck me was, I want to watch both games. And often that's not the case, or often you know, and certainly when Liverpool are involved. But right now, Champions League semi-finals, I want to watch both games. I think I'm looking forward to watching both sets of semi-finals. I mean, the most obvious favourite in, in both games is Liverpool. And that, the, if it would have been any other draw, there would have been two obvious favourites, I think. And now, you know, obviously you put arguably the two strongest sides pitted against each other in Real Madrid and Bayern Munich. And then Liverpool and Roma, you know, we're sitting here today and because of the way the game's away, so Liverpool are favourites to win the Champions League. That, that That's unbelievable at a semi-final stage. I think I think the Real Madrid Barcelona game will be an absolute belter as well. Um, but you see, and what what we've seen is obviously Liverpool beat Bayern Munich in the friendly earlier on in the summer. You can see that we can do that, and you see Real Madrid wobble there at the Bernabeu the other night. There's there's no reason we can't do them either. There's no reason my the reason my one's excited, Andy, is is as Paul says, we're not going in. We're not going. In. There was no possible draw where we were going to go in, even like 05 where Chelsea are thirty five points clear in the league in the Champions League semi final. And you, you all do the thing where we all say to each other, "Well, it's just it is just one knockout round," and that's how it proved. But you were still able to go listen there, thirty five points better than us in our domestic competition. That's going to be a really really tough affair. You're not looking at either Real Madrid or Bayern Munich, given who they've played already in the competition. In Bayern's case, and going, "Oh no, oh no, oh no." But that said, Roma is the kindest possible draw from the sporting point of view. Yeah, I think the only possible uh, caveat to that is it maybe would have been better Anfield second leg. I think that's the only way it may have been kind. And I think going there with them, getting the result they did get against Barcelona, they'll have that belief now. That, the, the belief that we kind of got in 2005 that we repeated 12 months later in Cardiff in the, in the FA Cup final. That Unless we're out of sight, and then what is out of sight? You know, yeah. Barcelona do mm. them by three goals and... 
so and, and it turns out some mad consolation goal that Jekyll got in in the, the camp knew that no one no one really cared about was the thing that got them through. So they'll have that belief that unless Liverpool do them three and three to zero or four zero, you know you've then got to go you've then got to go all, all the way over to the Olympico and play them. And if you think the coach welcome was bad for Man City, wait for the welcome the Liverpool will get over there. There's I'll go back to you, Andy, on this the, the idea of the of that belief thing because I think we often and listen let's part if there's Blues listening to this part of what winds Evertonians up is the extent to which Liverpool supporters feel as though they're, they're special in some way untouchable we feel as though we can get the momentum well, Gu- Guardiola, Guardiola the nail on the head didn't he he said didn't he Liverpool fans think they own this competition yeah, and that's actually a compliment. That that that's a compliment. Sorry, no, that, 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 that's what I'm saying. So that's what we're like. But also Roma this season now with the results they've got the way they've done it, they'll be thinking the same thing. What second leg at Argaf? We can do these. Well, you look at they haven't conceded a goal at home in the Champions League the entire campaign. Not a single goal. Uh, when the groups first come out, they were in a group with Chelsea and Atletico Madrid. No one gave them a chance of getting on that group. Uh, they were there with Quarterback, but they were. Uh, they, 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 Everyone thought third. Uh, that was it, and they, they absolutely dominated at home. They got three three at Stamford Bridge, if you remember as well. And then they, they had Shakhtar. Um, they got beat away by Shakhtar, and then um, there was obviously the, the, the games against Barcelona, and they've they've thrown all the their eggs in one basket, and it. Uh, and that could actually cost them because of the minute because they've they've now got a really really tight race to qualify for the Champions League domestically this season, and it's their big. They've got Lazio. They've got it's the Rome derby next weekend as well, and uh, we, I was talking to uh, a Roma fan earlier for one of our tour player shows, <coughs> and he was saying that you know it might be a case where they've been into too much focus on the Champions League, that might come to bite them a little bit, and they might have to be a little bit more com- yeah. calmer about the whole situation. It's the next part of this, Fuad, is Jacko's been mentioned. De Rossi still knocks around for them, and all us who got the winner the other night. Allison, the goalkeeper, talking about them keeping a clean sheet. There's there's an eleven there. It's a proper eleven. They, they they're not they're not part timers. They're not messing around. It's not you know they're not made up of, of, of odds and sods. This is this is a this is a really really good side. This Roma side that Liverpool are gonna have to beat over two legs. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think. The belief we have as fans, and, and and I mean, it's spread right through to the players and the club in general. Is just, it's just such a great atmosphere around the whole place, and I think they'll be feeling exactly like that, if if not even more so, given the circumstances. You know, they had to come back and and beat Barcelona. So I think I think if we're talking about atmospheres and we're talking about uh, the effect it can have on the players, we can't forget that they can generate an atmosphere that can definitely match ours. And, and their players can be inspired like, like ours were. Um, the inspiration of the players is something which um, I think you've really got to look at this this week in the Champions League, Paul. I think, firstly, the nature of, of what Roma do inspires Juventus. But what Roma are doing, they're doing it in their own ground with their own supporters behind them. They're feeling it, they're feeling their own momentum come alive. I think we, you know, the sheer reaction of the Liverpool players, both during the game and after the game against Manchester City, it does seem to be a season where the Champions League is, is is reminding you that, listen, what happens on the pitch is what matters, but what goes on in the stands, if it makes 1% of difference, if it makes 2% of difference, well, that's still a difference. And I think that you've seen that, you've seen that bear fruit, I think, this week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's, there's evidence of it now, isn't there? I think, you know, it was, it was poo-pooed a little bit in the lead-up. To the game, you know, I was in Leroy Sane saying it won't affect us, but you know it does. Yeah, and you know, we, there's absolutely no doubt that Manchester City have twice this season 
been intimidated by the Anfield atmosphere. Now, if if Manchester City are influenced by it, who's to say that Roma won't be? I mean, I was expecting... Well, who's to say Liverpool won't be influenced by it at Roma? Uh, of course, yeah. So, I mean, if they put a show on, and I'm sure they can do, um, then it'll be intimidating. I mean, Italian football is at its very, very best. and we, It's been a long time since it's been at very, very best, but it's it's on its way back a little bit. Um, you know, we'll... You'll you'll see something in the Olympico. That's that's for sure. It can be intimidating. You know, I think it'll be intimidating both inside and outside the ground for for fans and footballers alike. But I think it's important that that we. To be fair, Liverpool are used to an intimidating atmosphere. It's it's usually on our side. So if it's noisy, I don't think it bothers them. But you know, you back to your point, Neil. If if it if it's an inf- if you think asking me does it influence things? Yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the Olympico, but we haunt them. They still haven't forgiven us for the European Cup win in the eighties. I think in all the times we played in European competition, they won one and we still went through on away goals. It was um, we won two 0 The Olympico, Michael Owen. Yeah, remember. Uh, they they still carry scars for us. We're like a de- we're like a demon for them. But further than that, much oh, going on to the points about the, the competition in general, we can play without fear against anyone because we've got further than we thought. We're, we've literally got nothing to lose here. And then you look, and it seems like the, there's been an established order over the past past four or five seasons of who's going to get to the quarters and semis every year. It's Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, blah 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 blah. blah. That's been shaken up by us in Roma this year. And you'd almost get the sense that, not that it's a strain on Real Madrid, but they're creaking. They are creaking and they, they they come so, so close the other day against an admittedly equally creaking Juventus side as well. You know, the, the, there's an establishment there that's got everything to lose and we've got nothing to lose. And I think we should go into... Uh, go on. No, I'm, I'm going to... Like, yeah. yeah, no, I, I, you know, and there's an opportunity there to, to, to put ourselves right in amongst it. There is indeed. We're going to talk about how Liverpool got there. We're going to talk about that fantastic night at Manchester City, both both next and after seven o'clock. We're also going to obviously look ahead to Liverpool against Bournemouth. The manager today in his press conference says every game is about European progression now, the league games and the Champions League games. It's a great way to look at it. We'll do more on that as well. This is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. Don't go anywhere. It's the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson with Paul Senior, Andy Heaton and Fuhad Hassan. Uh, in a second, we're going to be back talking about how brilliant Liverpool were against Manchester City. But first, David Bowie, Rebel Rebel. The Anfield Rap, Radio City Talk, David Bowie there. Moved back on to another uh, iconic figure of our age, Paul Senior. And to discuss the fact that Liverpool this week were uh, were phenomenal in that second half. We'll come on to about the first where Manchester City were arguably phenomenal. And when you watch it back, it's... I mean, we were experiencing it in the ground that first half. We'll come back to that. I want to talk about the second half when Liverpool stood up and were counted. Mm. This is a football team, many of whom there's been conversations about character. Since all the time I've been doing the Anfield Rap, people have talked about the character of these Liverpool players. But that was a second half. I thought that was absolutely full of it. Before the goal, the 10 minutes before the goal, Liverpool play the best football of the game. They do, yeah. Um, I mean, I've watched, I've watched the game back a couple of times because, you know, we were in the ground together, Neil, and it's not... It's not something you get a, a true reflection of when you've got that level of nerves. And yet we were under the cosh first half, but it wasn't as bad as in my mind as I thought it was. They weren't creating that many clear-cut chances, don't get me wrong. There's that offside goal or whatnot. And they were, the first five, ten minutes, they were excellent. Second half, though, we you can you can tell something's been said and there was a lot of talk about players being told to wake up. And I think that sums it up. We had, we had to woke up a little bit, but... We just seemed a little bit more confident on the ball. First half, we were just getting rid. It was just get rid. And I don't think you can do that for 90 minutes. But in the second half, people like Wijnaldum, especially, were getting their foot on the ball. 
and, and, and looked like Liverpool normally look, you know. So we, I, I was quite impressed with that second half performance. And I mean, to go score twice, absolutely great. But it was more about the fact that at 1 0, we were willing to take risks, to, to be confident on the ball. It, there's, there's so much, there's been so much talk, and there is so much talk about bravery in football, Andy. And too often, and I keep saying it, and it, it, it's because it harks back years. Bravery in football is characterised as being prepared to put your foot in where others wouldn't. But bravery in football is a complex thing, and there's lots of different ways to do it. And that second half, Liverpool decided they were going to come out and they were going to be brave. They were going to demand the ball. They were going to get out. No, I would put that. I'd say calmness. There's bravery in being calm. And not just whamming it out at every given opportunity to you know to absolve yourself of responsibility. I mean, going back to what Paul was saying there about you know the, 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 the whole thing about oh, we give them a rocket at half time. How's that going to help? Give them instruction. Do you know what I mean? That's brave. Giving them calm instruction is a lot braver than doing the easiest thing, which is to scream and shout, throw things around, and throw that. things around. Because what what are you doing? What are you actually doing? <laughs> you know, and you look at that first half, and yeah, the the, the the vast amounts of the ball and they had most of the pressure in one thing and the other. But even down to the offside goal, that that comes off a mistake for a, a, an unlucky bounce off James Milner's knee, not even a mistake. And the, the goal he scored is from is from another mistake from, from the defender. But three not even last season, six months ago, we we don't get in we don't get in one nil down. And I think it, I think there was a, there is an element of that where they just thought right, just get to half time, get to half time. And I think it's as much to do with the senior players in the squad as the manager, and that's not disparaging the manager in any way, shape, or form. By the way, it just gives the lads thirty seconds to get together and go, look, this is what this is where we need to go. This is what we're doing wrong. This is where we need to improve, and giving the players a little bit of resp- extra responsibility. Feel what the to me the. Van Dijk isn't great for the first, whether for the goal, whether or not it's whether or not it's a foul, he's not great for it. You know, it's 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 not enough of a foul to sort of justify the way in which it plays out. But the way in which he just calmly recovers and gets back on with his game, and the way Lovren plays next to him, I mean, it was to talk about that first period. They were two terrific central defensive performances. After we go one 0 down. I mean, I came out of the ground thinking those two are the best centre-halves I've ever seen. I mean, <laughs> if someone spoke to me straight after and got me on camera or something, I would have been absolutely raving about them. I mean, watching the game back, um, I, I was I was a bag of nerves during the game. But watching it back, I didn't realise the amount of tackles and blocks. And and, and despite losing the ball in the transitions or or the, the pass the pass going astray, they, they never let it get to their heads. They still kept... A good amount of shape and and defensive resilience, and I, I think, like Andy was saying, six months ago, we, we weren't really seeing that. I mean, we can go back to that Seville game away, where there's a little spell, and I think the City players knew, the Liverpool players knew, um, that Man City would have their would have their little spell, and they needed that spell, and um, in that spell they'd have to get <laughs> as many goals as they could. And I think once it reached half time, and the City players were in that dressing room, I think they they probably realised that it might be going away from them a bit because they just didn't capitalise. But That's the impressive thing. They did lose their heads. For the first five minutes, they did, because it wasn't just Van Dijk with that mistake. Lovren threw an unnecessary win at one and Sterling in the corner when he just has to say it out. And it's the ability to... Lose your head's not brilliant, but the ability to regain your composure is it's really, really impressive. I mean, you talk about Lovren. This isn't a one-off. I thought against Palace, he was exceptional. Uh, I think he's been, he's been really good of like full stop. Um, and and the, the the goalkeeper as well for that matter. Absolutely. And I think that that's just a, 
that's been as important. The improvement in that area has been as, as important as the, the other end since January. I think I think for me as well is that people underestimate the fact that this is a new back five for Liverpool. You know, the the goalkeeper comes in around the same time that Virgil Van Dijk arrives. For the for the beginning of the season, Joe Gomez is the first choice right back. Trent's playing there now. Albi Moreno does your first probably four or five months of the season as first choice left back, and then it was. It was Lovren and Matip together, and now it's currently Lovren and Van Dijk, and it's it's it seems like we finally finally found a back five that can be depended on. But I, I think I think you're absolutely right to point out the goalkeeper. I mean, this was a lad I've said on shows for the Anfield rap previously that I thought could have potentially been the worst goalkeeper to have played for the club, and now he's he's making a fool of me, and I'm more than happy for that to for that to happen. There's there's something in the. The second half, the way the fullbacks make themselves endlessly available. Alexander Arnold and Robertson, I think, both defend well first half. You're able to come back and say they really did well in difficult circumstances, thought the way through, through ad. But second half, I there was suddenly so much space for them. Liverpool pushed a little bit up further, and Manchester City trying to make the pitch big gave them more ground to cover. And it felt like Liverpool went from having no out balls to ten out balls, and I thought that was really impressive. Yeah, definitely. And I think um Robertson was a great outlet. Um I think for the the first goal, I think he was he was bombing down the left, and, and I think that took away player let Genie bit of composure, turn, pass it down to Oxley Chamberlain, and and I think that's also another part of it. The midfield just gained that little bit more belief and confidence on the ball, which we didn't see in the first half. But I mean, Trent and and Robertson deserve enormous praise throughout both ties, and especially coming through that first half and that second leg. Yeah, and one thing that it was interesting, say we pushed up, which is correct, but we also became more compact. And within within that shape, the midfield actually got deeper, which is counterintuitive to what you're saying about pushing up. The midfield were higher up the pitch, but they but were, and, deeper yeah. within the shape because you're giving your fullbacks a, a passing option in and out, and you see that you've seen that constantly. Suddenly, the the fullbacks had a, had a ball to the left and a ball forward. They had options, and then you look at how we break through in the end for the first goal. The, the amount of people in and around when Alden. When it, when he finally releases the ball out, it's about three or four passes where there's about there's about three or four of them within ten yards of each other, and that's because they became more compact. It seems that there's there's something there's something about this side, Fuad, which you know, it has. I think what can be referred to as the most Salah belief. I was doing a show yesterday chatting about most Salah, and one of the things that he's done now for us is, I sort of feel like if we pick him, we've scored, and that's absolutely ridiculous. But you sort of you're able to sort of relax and think, well, you you'll get one. Because the the what the rate at which he scored since the turn of the year. Have you seen the Boxing Day start? Yeah, which is basically he hasn't started the game at Anfield since Boxing mm-hmm. Day and not scored. And so you've you've got that feeling that he's he's just going to score for Adam. Again, I, I you wonder if that was sort of reminded of them one way or another by the manager at half time. Listen, if you just relax here, this lad's going to get us one. Exactly. I, the most encouraging thing is is when he's quiet in games, and I, I don't think he was particularly particularly active on on Tuesday night but he still had that one chance and he buried it with I mean touch of genius really I mean and I don't think anyone he was the quickest to react uh, to that loose ball and I think that's the sign of a player who's who's a predator in front of goal and is just at the peak of his my peak form of his career it's the peak form of his career but it, it seems as though he's got somewhere else to go still Paul and that's the, the incredible thing about him but also now we need to be really honest about what Sadio Mane's been doing mm-hmm. I think that it's become a thing this season that people are choosing and are able to say you know the, the, he did go off the boil because he did go a little bit off the boil but 
that has perhaps now been overstated, but it goes further than that. He's now. Spent... I'd, I'd argue with anyone over that, by the way, but that's a different story. Well, but he's now he's now undoubtedly for two and a half months, three months, possibly playing the best football of his life. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, this is a, this is a minor positional change for him. It's not it's not quite an obvious one, but he's playing through the middle so much more since Coutinho left. Um, he's almost the most aggressive number ten in world football at the moment. I, I would say, you know, he's obviously got dynamic. Like dynamite pace, I should say. Um, he's got, he's got. I mean, he's got everything about his game. The one thing I would say on the eyes, not technically as neat as the likes of Phil Coutinho is, but his timing is phenomenal. The way, the way he'll take a little, a little through ball and put it there. But the thing is, I'd say is where he's, there's a couple of goals where Mo Salah's um, got a goal off Sadio Manager bursting through. Now the amount of tappings he's getting from. Uh, Mane opportunities and you see you see that touch he takes through the two centre halves against City in the week. There's not many players who can do that. Yeah, and I think I think people have said in the past that he's he's obviously been a little bit in the shadows um, with Salah being in this sort of form and and his he's sacrificed a little bit of his of his play being a little bit more kind of compact and and within the shape. But at the same time, I think it's a complete different type of style of play than last season. We're kind of seeing him. We're seeing him in positions where he's he's able to play almost the killer pass or or unlock Salah or Bobby Firmino in in situations where you know last season we'd usually see him being on the end of them end of those balls. Okay, this is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk after seven o'clock. We're going to talk further about Tuesday night and about what it tells us about this Liverpool team. Neil Atkinson, Paul Senior, talking to you about Reds bet this week. Uh, we're all very excited uh, because it's the Grand National. You've seen that you've heard our two Grand National shows, uh, and if you are, we are in partnership through Reds Bet throughout the whole of the year uh, here on the Anfield Rap this year. And you know, if you are someone who has won a gamble once a year on uh, the Grand National, feel free to come and do it with Reds Bet. Uh, you a Grand National man? I've never spoken to you yeah, about it. I am. Um my, my wife's family uh, make make quite a big deal out of her actually they get round in the morning and have to have to sweeps and whatnot and then we yeah we'll we'll have a little uh, we'll have a little go on Reds bet this year that's what we've we've all had a discussion about doing obviously the uh, the losses go to good causes in the city so I'd rather that than than some of the other yeah. um, big boys where they just pocket them themselves so yeah we'll be going with them um, and yeah I haven't I haven't cast my eye across anything yet I've just yet. done the sweep. I've just done the sweep in our gaff, uh, so I've got that done, and I've got the oh, I can't I forgot I can't remember what it was the top weight angle. Let me go through the detritus that I keep in my pocket. It'll be should I be here somewhere? Uh, Robbo just sort of lashed it at me, and I've done it, but I can't find it. I'll find it for you in a minute. Go on, Paul. So yeah, no, we um, yeah. So I'll, in the morning, I'll be having a look. I'll be going out, getting the papers. The wife will get the brekkie on. We'll have a little look, and then we'll uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have a I'll have a pick of my horses, and then I'll, I fancy the the reds tomorrow as well. So you double up. Yes, I'll probably double up. Uh, excellent. Uh, well, the Reds. If you do fancy the Reds, there's, uh, there's the, the, the usual specials are on there. Good to Firmino. Firmino to score two or more. Recent cert is Liverpool to score exactly three in the first half. That is uh, sitting itself there at eight to one. Uh, national service is Liverpool to win to nil. And Trent pays the rent. Trent Alexander Arnold to score first uh, sits there at twenty fives. Um, how's that? Liverpool to win and both teams to score. But there's also the uh, there's the insurance bet of the horrible, horrible weekend. Liverpool lose, Everton win, and Manchester United win, uh, which sits there at a, at a fifty to one. I don't even think I'd enjoy winning that, Neil. Would it be, is it too mucky even for you, yeah. Paul? 
Uh, far too mucky indeed. Um, yep, it's all uh, going on there uh, on the on the Red's Bet account. And it's uh, yeah, if you are going to do it, as I say, please do think about doing it with us. Uh, if you're not, that's absolutely fine. No big deal whatsoever. Uh, it is an, an innovative way to go about uh, gambling, and they're doing their very very best there. Uh, we have regular conversations with them about everything they've got going on. They're very aware of Liverpool supporters' wider needs as well. Um, so we have partnered with them for the year for a reason. As I say, if you don't gamble, don't worry about it. And if you do, please make sure that you do do so responsibly. It's uh, the Anfield Wrap in association with Redsbet. Welcome back to the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson, Paul Senior, Andy Heaton and Fuad Hassan. As you get towards half past seven today, Liverpool, uh, let us first and foremost then deal with the keeping a nerve, Andy. The Manchester City manager gets, gets himself sent off throughout the course of the game and I think there's something massive in this in terms of the, the sheer... Everyone says you can't score too early, and I sort of, and I think, yeah, obviously a goal's a goal, and a goal's a goal all the time. What Manchester City going 1-0 up does when they do, is it then means they've played 44 minutes of football and not scored. Suddenly the, the ball's been around for 44 minutes, and they haven't stuck it in the back of the net. And you can see how that's burning their heads out. If they go 1-0 on 30, they bang on the door, they bang on the door, they bang on the door, they go 1-0 on 30, you get the break. Even if you are a bit unlucky, you're thinking, well, we've got that one. You never know what happens next. By the time they get in at half-time, they're looking at each other going, we've just played for 44 minutes, and we haven't scored another goal. I think there's there's another element to that, is the physical exertion of it all. Um, if you come in today, they were so good, weren't they? Well, yeah. I, look, they, they they packed in about sixty minutes worth of effort into into one half because they go in, they get the, the goal. If they hadn't scored for fifteen twenty, maybe they're a little bit more patient. Maybe they just keep knocking on the door and save a bit of energy, see it out. They scored in the first minute. The danders up and the, they are throwing. Well, the older said before the game, it's they're going to throw the kitchen sink, and that's what they that's what they did. So as much as it's the mental, oh, what have we got to do to score here? What have we got? It's also the physical exertion of it. Because they didn't look. I think there was a, there was a st- statistic as well. With I think towards the end of the season, they they, they, they tail off something chronic towards the uh, the last thirty minutes of any games. That coupled with the fact that they knew they, they had to get three goals, a goal since fifty minutes in the last eight so, games, so, or something. something like that. So you couple that with the physical exertion and the mental frustration. Yeah, yeah, and I think. You know, maybe you, you can only guess, but maybe that was in Liverpool's minds as well at the time, saying if you can just see this out. You know, maybe if I'm a Manchester City fan and I don't, this hasn't really been picked up, I'm absolutely furious if my manager's been sent off at half time. I think it's absolutely pathetic what he's done there. In in the 45 minutes when you've got your goal back, you need two more goals to take it to extra time, and your manager goes. But you could see, but you could put put your spots on, but you could see it was going to happen because it was before the game. You already knew that Guardiola and this referee had history. They had beef anyway. And as soon as the stupid thing is, Guardiola gets sent off trying to protect his own player because as the, the half time whistle goes, Gabriel Jesus runs, Jesus, Jesus runs straight to the referee and he's having a go at him. And it's Guardiola coming over to get him off the referee and then he loses his head. Yeah, but I, I, I just think that, I mean, I, I look back to 2005, 2007 with us and how, and how what's the word I'm looking for? You know how Rafa is on the on the touchline. He's 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 kicking every ball. You know he he's giving tactical instructions constantly. If Manchester City got to three two, they need their manager barking orders on the line. I just think no one's really mentioned it. I just can't believe how he's sort of getting away with that. No, I thought it was amateur. You know you, you say that though. I just think I agree a little bit, but I've got a bit of sympathy because you, when you've won as much as he's got, let's just let's not knock on with that. I just I think part of his yeah, but he's character, won as much as he's part, got anti- and he should know part, better in that part, sense. Part of his character is that he's that driven. Mm. He's that driven. 
and, and and maybe that's part of it. And, and look, we can't we, we can't talk about managers being over effusive on the not knocking his passion. I just think you know what I mean. We, the the, the psychology is wrong for me. Yeah, but then the, there's videos. There's a video of Klopp when he was Dortmund manager, literally screaming in a referee's oh, face on the yeah. touchline. So you know, different managers have I, different makeups. I think it's especially important with him with Guardiola because he's he's the type of manager you can see him. The players are always receptive of what he's telling them. He, he's he's a perfectionist in how he wants his players to move and things like that. So if he's not there, then there's, they lose a little bit of that. And I think people have said in the past about how, how the City team can deal in situations of chaos and, and figure things out for themselves. He, he's usually always there pulling Sterling here, pulling whoever else, wherever. He, he's, he's very much involved. He wasn't, he wasn't there when he needed the most. I, I think that I think Fuad just made a really interesting point there. I think, you know, we're talking about players will figure out themselves. I think our group of players is far more likely to figure out yeah. for themselves than City's because they play in, it's so much in Guardiola's image yeah. that when he's not there, they kind of... What do we do I think that's interesting because again we when we talk about our players at times we say they need to be better and sharper at working it out and yet I do just sort of wonder if even with dealing with players the calibre that, that that City have got at the very highest level of the game they're very they're so finely tuned no, look, this is it no that's exactly it and I think that maybe we're, we are entering an era where you know maybe more does come from the touchline that maybe we might like at the very highest level for me there's, there's something else in the City approach Paul in that what was working first half I think Kev De Bruyne is a really fascinating player now for Manchester City. He hasn't scored in twelve, um, which is which, which which stands out to you. Yeah. But you almost feel like he's a bit like Gerrard was being used by Guardiola, a little bit like how Gerrard was at times used by Benitez, which was to just do me a favour and go and sort that out. Do, do me a favour and go be the best player doing that for a bit because I need someone to do that and I've got no one else to do that so you do that for me. There was times in the game he was almost centre half. I can't believe that player of the year Kevin De Bruyne hasn't scored in twelve games. By the way. Um, just to put that one out there, um, I I don't I, I I think I think the one light in midfield Manchester City and it's not helping. Um, so he's he's having to sort the central midfield mess, but then he's the most creative talent. They, they, you can't duplicate him. Do you know what I mean? So they want they want him close to the forwards to put the little passes through, but also when the midfield's going to pot, they haven't got him there either. So I do agree with you. I think he's he's a I hate the term firefighter, but he's almost the one seen to go and be at the scene of every crime and it's probably not helping them with the return but is, is it actually the opposite is he doing it under instruction or is he doing it instinctively against the manager's instruction because you mentioned Gerard there Gerard couldn't help himself literally couldn't help himself Rafa Benitez's big frustration yeah. with him wasn't it yeah he could literally be all over the pitch at Beckham before him yeah. especially for England not operating in the areas that he wanted and alright fair enough you might fight, fight, fight that fire at right back and knock that ball over you're leaving a massive gap in the middle there while you're doing that, just plated the instruction. And there's an interesting point about City's midfield. You know, I didn't realise this. Fernandinho was 32 years old. Yeah, yeah. He's 33 in May. He's 33 in three weeks. Well, and, and, and the other night I thought he was great first half, and then second half he absolutely drops off a cliff. He looks like a 33-year-old who's played nearly yeah. every game this season. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying about yeah, De Bruyne? Yeah. I don't think he's doing that under instruction. I just think his natural inclination, because he thinks, I can sort this out. I, I'm that good. I can sort this out. And I think he's a lovely player, by the way. I don't, I don't think he's doing that under instruction. I, I think that's just him. Um, Fuad, the next one that sort of stands out to me is is what's happening with the um, is what Liverpool managed to do in terms of stepping that midfield 10-15 yards further forward in that second half and putting their full City under pressure City are trying to make the pitch huge Liverpool are filling it out we haven't really dwelt upon Wijnaldum um, Milner and Oxlade-Chamberlain the first thing to point out is, that is it's, it's an astonishing statistic that Milner outruns everybody else on the pitch by two kilometres it's not just outrunning them by a little bit it's the fact that he's doing it by two kilometres there which indicates everything that he put into that result yeah I think a really important thing 
to, to think about with this midfield. I, I don't think they've ever played together, like these three. To, I mean, nope, the combination. No, nope, you're right, great points. So, I mean, you're, you're sticking three midfielders in, in probably the most fluid midfield formation you're going to see in Europe against one of the most intense, you know, football footballing sides with players like David Silva and and Raheem Sterling, you know, trying to pull you all over the place. And I think the the communication relationship between the three was in, in the first half, we we you could kind of tell that these three hadn't played together much. And then suddenly in the second half they came alive and I think that that I think James Milner and and uh, Genie really epitomized that because Genie was I didn't really see much of him in the first half, to be honest. But in the second half, he really stepped up. First and half, I was I was I was willing Henderson and Chance to somehow appear. Yeah. Second half, I was like, let's just play him there every day for the rest of his life. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not think playing in midfields for Liverpool, this Liverpool side is one of the most thanks, thankless stacks ever? Because you've got to carry all the water and you never get any of the glory. Because you've literally got to be everyone's safety blanket. When it, wherever the ball pops loose on the left, but to cover someone, you've got to be that option. You look at the running statistics there, as you said with Milner. Without ever really sticking out, I know Wijnaldum does in the second half. But when you're not enforcing your moment, Liverpool are playing like that. I think this is part of the charm with Oxley Chamberlain, though, because he's, you know, he's influencing both ends, isn't he? And as you say, this it's a water carrier's job. But what he's now doing is finding finding ways to influence the attacking side just equally as much as the defensive. Can we talk about the goalkeeper before we go as well? Go on, and before we go, we're going to play a song in a minute. But go on. Oh no, sorry, no, just so, just Ed- Edison. He went first four months of the season, best goalie in the world, blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. Mm-hmm. All because of the way he's, his style of playing one thing and the other. I, I can't remember him in the, in the entire time, in all the games he's played against Liverpool, I can't remember him making a really good save. Well, the, I, I, I can't remember him making a good save this calendar year. City have now lost six games this calendar year and it's, you, you can't, you've not dug them out. You've not dug them out for any of those six games and, and I know the games beyond that. I think he's, uh, I, I think it's fascinating the City side. I, well, we've done a show on it and if you don't subscribe or if you do, do listen to the Friday show, a really good conversation and if you don't, it's the sort of thing that I'm, you know, I'm really proud of to be honest with you. We have a long chat about it where for a side that could score 100 goals and could well still get 100 points. I'll this, probably have the best defensive record as I'm well. I'm probably the best defensive record. There's not an awful lot of question marks you can be against the City side. They could be the best team ever in the Premier League. I, you know, let's, I don't have that debate now. But there's not an awful lot of question marks about the City side. And that's a really strange place to be, both now, after what's happened in the second half of the season, but also going forward. Poor, you know, poor at left-back, poor at centre-half, could do with a forward. A 33-year-old centre-mid. Um, sitting in there David Silva's 32 yeah. Yeah. Uh, the signings last summer aren't great Danilo's not done it Jory's still out Mendy's had the injury so you don't know on it goes there's even a question for me around he's us mm. where I want more from John him Stones. John Can't Stones cut when he's getting older Laporte's 65 million pounds 65 million quid doesn't look 65 million quid to me right. so far but all these players might come good uh, they've got a year as well to work with Guardiola listen this is the Anfield Rapper Radio City Talk in a minute we're going to talk about Bournemouth every game counts at this stage of the season Jurgen Klopp at pains to point that out but before then these are razor lights and this is a America. Raise your light with America there. Welcome back. This is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. Um, Fuad, the manager's at pains in his press conference to say everything's about European qualification. We've got two matches to qualify for a final. We've got matches to ensure that we qualify next season. Suggested he's going to go, he's going to have looked at the fitness of his players. I liked his line that it was what he was looking at on Thursday as though they all came back in broken and battered uh, by the time he got them back in on Thursday. And you can, you can well appreciate that that will be the case. These are intense football matches this Liverpool team's playing. But he does need to you know, we, we we love this. We want this again next season. There's one way to get it again next season for certain, win it. But there's another other ways to get it again next season for certain, and that's win three of the remaining games, and then we'll definitely have Champions League football again next season. And Bournemouth at home is is as good a place to start as any. Yeah, definitely. I, I think he he want to wrap wrap it up as soon as possible, and and that's by winning the next three games. And 
I think it's also a good opportunity. Uh, Spurs are playing Man City this weekend, so if if City are going to fight back and, and and come and get a result there, then it'll be a great opportunity for Liverpool to put some pressure on them because I really think should be aiming for that third spot um, just just to keep momentum going and, and to keep make sure heads are in the right place. The Bournemouth are going to give Liverpool a tough game. That's the other thing I'd point out. That on, um, that, that they've only lost two in the last 14. Uh, there's a lot of late equalisers that they're pulling out the bag. And we saw them last season when Liverpool did get themselves, went 1-0 down, turned it around, got a 2-1 lead, but we didn't close it out. This is a this is a side that's shown a lot of resilience since it's been back in the Premier League. Definitely, and I, and I think... I think even if he does make changes this weekend, the lads will be so confident because I mean the whole club must be buzzing. Everyone must be going to training after after the last week, and um, I think they'd all be all be ready to to really fight on on Saturday. And and I think Bournemouth will definitely come there, and they might see it as an opportunity to to inflict a little bit of damage on a on a tired Liverpool side. But at the same time, I think I think the the boys' heads will be in the right place. We want them. We want Bournemouth to come. I think Andy as optimistic as possible. We want them to come and feel as though they can play a bit of football at Anfield. Feel as though they can they they can they can run a tired Liverpool side off the pitch. I think because if they do that and if they try to play and if they try and play and play, we may well be able to find something pick something up against them. But it, uh, for me, they're one of the best sort of one of the best sides in the middle of the Premier League. The, the, on the day they've, they've beaten Arsenal this calendar year, they're not a they're no pushovers, and we shouldn't be thinking of them like that. To be honest, Dave, I don't care about Bournemouth as a team and what their attitude is um, I think we were in a position now where given the injuries and suspensions we had against City uh, you know you've got Klein back now he's got a point to prove he'll be wanting to get a, he'll want to get some minutes and if he doesn't Trent will want to be consolidating his position Anderson you think will come out you've got players who would be fighting for the position there'll be absolutely zero complacency from Liverpool so I'm not being disrespectful to my team I don't care about them what I'm saying is that the Bill side's well within its capabilities to beat them and beat them quite comfortably. Even if you make and a couple of changes with the front three? Yeah, why not? Dan, look, Danny Ings has been desperate for minutes and looked okay when he's come on. It's not like he's been on and, and looked out of place. He was unlucky not to score a few times. Um, yeah, possibly. I mean, you could shift things around a little bit, maybe play Oxlade-Chamberlain further forward if you want to move things around a little bit. You know, give someone else... Yeah, I think the quality's easy. Solanke, look... I want Dom Solanke to get a goal before the season's out as well. Mm. Um, and, it, and again, it's a perfect opportunity for him. You've only got to look at the evolution. Uh, uh, people have been writing... To, let's talk about Solanke for a second then. People have been set, writing him off already. He's been in and out. And you've only got... But only three months ago, people were saying Trent's not good enough. If this manager's proven anything, is that he's good at developing players even in a short space of time. I've got a, a lot of sympathy with Andy's argument there. But on the other hand, Paul... Mo Salah, 39 goals. Roberto Firmino, 24 goals. I'm not saying Sadio Mane, I'm not saying, I'm not saying it, but I'm saying that, what I'm saying is the manager might be looking at one or two of these and wondering if he can save the legs. Salah's on 39, Firmino's on 24, Mane's on 16, Coutinho's the next 12, doesn't play for us anymore. Emre Chan, six, injured out mm. for the rest of the season. The next one down is Oxlade-Chamberlain, who's got himself five. Trent is then next on three. My point is that if this Liverpool side has got a weakness, that it doesn't bat deep. The, there's when you get past the front three, there aren't you know even I mean people were saying to me slightly tongue in cheek back in January. I'll tell you what, Van Dijk might get five or six before the end of the season. Well, he's still stuck on the one. It's a great one, but he's still stuck yeah. on the one. It's a Liverpool side that does not bat deep. There is those three lads. They stick the ball in the back of the net, and no one else really has. No, but I mean they're not. Them three aren't particularly heavily rotated either, are they? I mean out of the whole side, so 
they've been the focal point for most of the year. Um, it, it's obviously a mild concern with with the games on the horizon. I take Anthony's point, and I, I agree with it that I think performance levels will be heightened within the club because everyone will want to play against Roma and potentially wherever that leads to. Um, that that being said, Dan, I, I, would Danny Ings and Tom Solanke get a game for Bournemouth? The answer is probably yes. Um, so uh, they might, uh, they might. Um, so, so I mean, the 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 two Premier League level strikers. That that's that's for certain. Tom Solanke needs a goal for sure. Um, Danny Ings is still rusty. But if I, I can't see the pair of them playing, I can see one being no. brought in and yeah, one missing out. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think we can afford to maybe take, I don't know who it would be. I, I maybe think Mane maybe misses out this time around. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm, I'm confident. Do you know why? Because we're good. Yeah, I mean, you look at it and you you go through that scorers list. But this Liverpool team now, you look at the starting elevens compared to the starting eleven now. I don't think there's many players who played twenty five plus games. Um, and the way the side sets up, it's, it's built. It's built to service the front three, whoever those front three are. Mm. I mean, we're blessed in so much as the quality of the front three is such that 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 kind of works. So, yeah, I'm with I'm with Paul. I, I'd maybe rotate. I'd I'd actually give Bobby a little a little bit of a rest, but yeah, I'd change one of them. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think I think it's really important if if Dom or or Danny Ings is coming in, then. It would be it'd be good for them to play with two of the front three that we already have because a lot of the time when these when these guys are rotated, it's in, wholesale. It's a wholesale it? yeah. change and and it's it's a, they're making it look easy this front three, but to play with the combinations they do, it really is you know you got to be of a certain quality. And I think I think if if we got if two of them in there with with a Dom Solanke or Danny Ings, and I I think they could they could get a goal. And who knows what could do, do that for their confidence? Do you think there's an argument where he tries to? Play a bit with his midfield. He's got that's where he is short on numbers. You've obviously got Emery Chan out till the end of the season. Henderson's Neil. back. Henderson. Henderson's back. Milner's just ran. Has he just gone three on the bounce? Milner there. Yeah. I think it'll be Milner for Henderson. Yeah. But my, my 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 theory is if if he's he's got options at full back, Ranya Clavin's fit. I wonder whether he might try and go five at the back. Just would a, you for a bit of a mad one? Would you put put Verge in the middle? What, what I, I wouldn't personally. No, no. I, 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 I've, I've every every good centre half gets this, don't they? Or I can play in midfield. And no, just as <laughs> like an experiment as a six. But I wouldn't be surprised if if I mean this is sort of change of formation mid game is to be, to release the full backs and try and go three at the back. I just wonder whether if he feels he could do with two. Just giving two lads a bit of a break in the middle, whether he might consider I think that. Might, what's, what's I think we might see that against Stoke. He's just come back. He's, He's just, just come back, back from yeah. injury. But I think we might see that against Stoke. That's the one that falls back in the middle now of these two games. Um, so it's West Brom and then there's Roma and then there's Stoke and then there's Roma. It wouldn't surprise me if maybe Stoke, you might see him do a back three or something like that mm. and think, you know what, Stoke at home. We, we defense, central defenders aren't going to have to run much if he plays a back three. And then I'm freeing up. I'm, I'm, I'm creating energy elsewhere if I if I do this. Yeah. And then he might almost go Moreno left and uh, and, and Clark. Right the other one he could yeah. do is potentially is you know if Klein, Klein and Moreno start and he feels like Trent can go again you might actually see Trent move forward for the first time all in there um, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased to see Liverpool uh, these Liverpool supporters in front of me I uh, feel as though they can relax against Bournemouth I think Bournemouth are a dangerous side I'd keep one eye on Lewis Cook uh, this weekend if I was uh, if, if, you, if you go into Anfield do have a little look at him he looks like a really impressive young central midfielder uh, for Bournemouth in there uh, and as I say this this is a side that's only lost two of the last 14 so you know it's, it's good to see the attitude uh, everyone thinks that we can get in there and get amongst it Fuad what's your prediction? 
I'm going to go 2-0 Liverpool. 2-0 Liverpool, Paul. 3-0 Liverpool. 3-0. Andy. Since he hadn't been beaten in 500 games before they bumped into us, I don't care. <laughs> 4-1 Liverpool. 4-1 Liverpool. No, 4-0. 4-0 oh, Liverpool. Right, uh, I like the idea of Andy Saturday night, Bournemouth turn up at Anfield at half past five, coming up against the mighty boys in red, qualified for the European semi-final. You've got everything you need for that on the Anfield wrap. Do consider coming to us for all your Liverpool support needs. But in the meantime, just have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy every single aspect of it. It's a weekend when Liverpool will come alive. The Reds are at home. The Grand National's on. Let's enjoy ourselves, boys. Sports Social Podcast Network.